Hello and welcome to a sweet, deep, and vulnerable episode of Samuel and Friends Heal the World. I have on Leo Chung from Breakup Recovery Leo on Instagram. And this is another Asian man who has been doing a lot of inner work and his inner work was really catalyzed by his breakup. He had a breakup a number of years ago that he really lost himself in that relationship. And so when the breakup happened, he was even a bit more lost and he was forced to go inward and find a way to uh, live his life from a more centered place in himself. He learned emotional regulation tools. He learned how to be more in his body. We get into all of that. We get into Leo's story. I share bits of my story. We go pretty deep into psychology and attachment and codependency. And we also talk about Leo's journey of rediscovering his purpose or finding a sense of purpose after his breakup. And we also talk quite a bit about Asian upbringing, how that might have affected us in terms of attachment and relationship. And then finally, we get into uh, Leo's experience or just this experience of what conscious relationship can look like, especially from a place of vulnerability. If you have uh, trauma or abandonment issues or attachment issues, what does healing and being authentic in relationship intimate relationship look like. So hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, here's Leo Chung. All right. Welcome to another episode, guys. And today we have uh, an interesting guest. His name is Leo. And I found him on Instagram a couple of years ago. And I reached out to him and started following him because one, he's an Asian man and just like Asian men who men who tend to have deeper understandings of psychology, attachment, relationships, and he does men's work as well. Um, but his approach to breakups is very unique and very human, very practical. Um, so it, it, it resonated, you know, just, you know, I wasn't going through a breakup at the time, but I, I, I could just sense that there was something deeper that this guy was going into. And so that's what I love to talk about. And that's me, you know, going deeper into concepts that, you know, that just in like deeper than these sound bites you see on social media. And this guy really represents that. So, um, yeah, curious to see where the conversation goes and excited to, to have him on. So welcome, Leo. Mm, thank you, Samuel. Appreciate the acknowledgement of seeing me and uh, being... Yeah as personal and vulnerable as I can be with my work and uh, really being as authentic and transparent so that people can really get a view of my inner world. So uh, mm. really feel seen by you by that. Mm. Say more about that because that is a powerful thing that you, you, you do, you know, um, you, you hold of, I mean, and I also think break just to like caveat, like I think breakups are perfect for that as well. Like I've tried navigating this in men's work because I'm like, man, if I like really talk about my inner stuff mm -hmm. and like show how much inner work I've done and am continually doing, it's sort of the opposite of like what they tell you to do. And but I mean, you do want to kind of market to people's pain or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But like there's something relatable, but also powerful about the way that you do it. And so I am curious to hear a little more about maybe your thought process around that? Did you always know that you were like 
it was going to be coaching and business and your like programs, or was it just personal at first? Like, where did that transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability come from? And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, you definitely do it in a way where you are seen, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will reveal my business plan to you now. (laughs) (laughs) So I started my Instagram. It's a personal account, but eventually became primarily for business because I do want to be, I did want to become a breakup recovery coach. Mm. And it was a really big hurdle for me to uh, decide to be in front of the camera Mm. because at that time reels was coming alive, like TikTok reels, and posting and just writing wasn't really uh, the the trending thing to do anymore. Yeah. Right. And so about a year and a half ago, I, I decided, okay, for me to be successful as a coach, I have to move closer and closer towards my growth edge, which is uh, showing up in front of camera and mm-hmm. letting people know, letting the world know, hey, I'm here. And uh, that's always been a difficult thing for me because my my healing is uh, going from let's be very obedient, just do what everyone else tells me to do, keep quiet, to really standing in my own truth, my own power, what I know to be important to me and sharing that out in the world. Mm-hmm. So on one end, it is to to get more clients, to grow my business. And on the other end, it is for my own personal growth. And by sharing my story, I feel that it is uh, a form of like, it's kind of like therapy. Like I get to express myself. I get to integrate more and more of what it is that I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I often hear from other people, like don't share your wounds, just share your scars. As Mm if you've gone through something, you've integrated just share about the past experience. Mm. And I feel that now I'm I'm like riding the edge of like wounding scar. Like do is it am I still healing from it or has I already have I already integrated it? Right. And uh it's it's interesting to ride that edge because um it's challenging me more and more to mm. to really see how vulnerable how transparent i can be without um i don't know i don't really know the term but in a sense like no i, I think i understand at the same time yeah what's that superficial uh being professional at the same professional, time exactly yeah yeah i heard something recently like like are you airing out your dirty laundry right so it's like are you just like like are you are you just doing it to be seen but you challenge that for me, you know, like when I see, when I've seen your content. And so I, I, but it sounds like, um, yeah, like there's also something I experience. I'm curious if you do like, cause you do group coaching and I, I know you do one-on-one as well with breakups. It's like people become mirrors, right? It's like, as a coach, as a therapist, as a healer, whatever I am, I've done a lot more inner work than my clients just by default. And, and in some ways, the people that are, are attracted to me are ones that I guess need my medicine or whatever, but also like reflect my, some elements of my, my own healing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they, they sort of reflect that to me. And so I'm supporting myself, I'm supporting them and their journey and their story. And I'm always empathizing and seeing their side of things. But also for me, it's like, 
always a reminder of like things that, oh, okay, there's still some stuff here. And it's a really, really interesting field or, or, or type of work. Do you experience that at all? Absolutely. It, it yeah. always surprises me when a client will bring a topic up or an experience up. And it's something that I have experienced maybe just a month ago. Right. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm holding space for them, I'm like calm and collected, really not taking on any of their experience and just showing up for them. But inside Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, I know exactly what you're going through. I felt this feeling as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely believe in there being a higher power or some sort of cosmic, um, um, dynamic in, in this work. And mm. when I stay tethered to that, then I really can remember why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and uh, mm. doing my best to be of service because it's easy to get caught up for me in the grind and the posting yeah. and the, the, the numbers and all of that. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I try to make my own healing journey the, the driver of my work and then mm. everything from cool. there uh, is what inspires me. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's also been my approach, which is hard. It's been hard because I will then go to, you know, like I started off working with Asian men. So I did therapy first. <clears throat> then I became a life coach for men because um, I was doing men's work at the time. And, and then I transitioned to Asian men because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, like, maybe there's some healing I could do for, for my Asian community, Asian brothers. And also I needed some healing. I I needed some, like I was reconnecting to my own roots. And then that changed to like, Oh, I've done a lot of work around sexuality and like, you know, that type of thing. So then I did like, kind of, I talked about that and the intersection between that. And then I did dating coaching and then I did, it's, it's just been like, cause I am continually evolving. I found mm-hmm. that my business has also evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's actually inspiring to hear you talk about the ways that you've sort of integrated that and are still navigating it continuously, trying to find that balance. Um, because yeah, in the end, we are here supporting other people and like giving mm-hmm. them value and all that. But and 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 also like for me, it also has to be something that I enjoy and that I find rewarding and fulfilling. And um, I also re- really resonated with the like obedient, like, I mean, being growing up in an Asian family, it's like, you just, you're, you're, we're not seen. Like that's one of the main things, you know? So stepping into being visible, it sounds like for you and, and definitely for me, but for you has been, you know, was, was like a conscious choice that you made, especially as an entrepreneur. I understand that journey because it's like, you're showing up in a different way, um, in your power, like you said. But uh, did that also like, like curtail with your breakup? This is just a random question I'm asking you uh-huh, because it's yeah. like I'm imagining you had your breakup and we, we, you know, we're not diving into your story, but like you went, you had your breakup and then you became a breakup coach. But it sounds like the, that transition, I imagine there's some connection there between you maybe showing up more and maybe that that like trauma or the, the abandonment, all that stuff that came up in your healing journey. Like it, it almost sounds like they go together mm-hmm. um, just because you do break up recovery, but I'm curious if it influenced how you show up in the world as well, maybe through Instagram. Is that a question that makes sense or resonates for you? Mm, let's see. Let's maybe not. Let me just like 
tease it apart and see if there's any sort of connection there. I yeah. had the breakup and then I spent maybe four or five years trying to find out what's oh. the next thing I want to do okay. in the world in terms of like my mission, what's my what's my purpose in the world. And I, I was just floundering for a long time, mm. uh, selling cars, working in an office, um, doing carpentry, just being oh. a laborer. And like, I'm in my, I'm in my early thirties and I'm like feeling really shameful about just making minimum wage, uh-huh. um, starting all over again, no direction in life. What, and, so wait, so let's, let's go into that a little bit. So, so when was the breakup? Uh, I think that was like 29. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, and I'm 36 now. Okay. Yeah. And you, four or five years kind of like coming back to yourself or like like finding yourself again? Is that what you said? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, I used to teach yoga. That was my my main career. I taught for eight years and that Mm. was my, what I could call my service to the world. Mm-hmm. And then during that breakup, I just I just couldn't show up in front of the room anymore. And there's just too much pain wow. to be able to hold space for other people. And yeah. so it's a loss of not just that relationship, but also the loss of my my uh, purpose in the world. And mm-hmm. so I was really trying to find myself all over again, rebuild my life and having not very much success, or at least feeling internally, I didn't have much success uh, finding my way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I never really addressed the emotions around my breakup and all of that grief. I just didn't really yeah. know the avenue. I was really uh, looking at it from a self improvement perspective. If I just improve my life, then everything else will be will be fine. Mm-hmm. I get the career that I always wanted, the money I've always wanted. Uh, the partner I've always wanted, then, you know, this numbness right. and pain that I was feeling will will eventually go away. Yeah. All external right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, it wasn't until like a couple of years ago and I did a certification in emotional freedom techniques that I really, truly understand what it meant to feel my feelings, integrate them, release them. Mm. And so I had a very, very superficial approach to emotions before. Mm-hmm. And this uh, understanding helped me really look at my personal wounding, uh, my upbringing, my childhood, my personal traumas, uh, my inabilities to connect and be emotionally available in relationships. Yeah. And that personal healing is what then led me to want to help other people in their breakup recovery. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, there was some connection with the purpose and the career thing, but, but, um, I don't know if you're open to like me kind of keep like, I'm not, I'm not being a therapist, but like, I am curious yeah. to like get to the, you know, okay. So, how long were you in that relationship? Two years. Okay. And so you were doing yoga, that relationship ended and it was like, you couldn't teach anymore. You couldn't hold space for other people. And when, when you say that, when you said that I heard you needed to hold space for yourself. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there's some, I mean, and I'm saying this because I understand, or maybe I'm imagining this Asian upbringing thing because your Mm -hmm. parents were immigrants, right? Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Exactly. 
Right. And so like, it's almost like the self, it's like, I imagine that relationship kind of, you know, forced you to like be with yourself, but actually like for the first time in a way, right? Like the self, how do I say this? Like there is no self in Asian culture. (laughs) Mm. There's no such thing as a self. Like, I guess one example is like, I, when I went to grad school, uh, you know, I was, um, I went to this like alternative grad school, kind of spiritual, uh, integrates in Eastern spirituality, Western psychology. And so, um, but at the time I was just like, kind of just like this pothead, like philosophical, like neuroscience guy. Mm. And then like, I get dropped into this like school where it's all about experiential learning. So it's essentially like a four, three, four year workshop is this how I look at it. Like this transformation train of like the old school kind of, experiential therapies gestalt and hakomi and all these different types Mm. of things and i went into this group like group dynamics class and you know they're just talking about the self and thoughts feelings emotions and like let's talk about like your personal experience in like you know t group have you heard of that it's like yes being in a group right like or men's work similar like what is your personal experience in response to what's happening in the group and it was like, I had no fucking clue, right? I had no clue, like, what I was feeling, what I was thinking. And and through that class and also my time in grad school, I realized I have a self. It was like, I never even realized I have, like, this independent internal world, right, of thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs, desires, wants, because I grew up in a, an Asian family, which is just, like, all my parents' shit's like my shit, right? <laughs> it's like all their trauma or they tell me what I should do and who I am. And it was like, I didn't have a self. Mm-hmm. I think that's very common in Asian culture because we're, we're more collectivistic or whatever, right? Quote, unquote, like that we're all, it's all about the family and the unit and, and, and the culture and like not being your individual self. Like that's actually taboo. So when I hear you say that moment or that 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 time period of of I I couldn't do the things that I was doing anymore, like it almost makes me think I, I, of identity shifts, right? So it's like your identity and who you were up until that point in your life, like shattered. It sounds like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but just for the sake, I'm he- curious to hear your yeah. your response. But kind of shattered, and then it was like, who am I? Was a question trying to find yourself, but probably not really having, like you have a self in some form or fashion that functions in the world, obviously, because you're an adult who, but it was like that core self, like you really had to kind of find out what and who that was, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds like Mm -hmm. for four or five years, kind of navigating it externally and then finding it through your emotions, EFT, Mm -hmm. developing these tools, techniques to really um, not just like regulate and process emotions, but also build self-awareness, right? Like an understanding of more of who you are is what you kind of said, right? Like Mm -hmm. family and upbringing, how to impact, right? So so there's something about the self that I find that that's always been my journey as an Asian person that I don't talk about a ton because it's hard to really understand that concept. Like, but the self as 
independent from the world. Like, who am I? That's been a big part of my journey. And it sounds like for you, if you resonate with that relationship and breakup might have been the catalyst. And I don't think you're the only person either, or it doesn't have to just be Asian people either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Yeah. Those are, those are some interesting observations and, uh, you know, what came up for me when you were sharing that was, I think what's true for me during that time Mm -hmm. was that, uh, teaching yoga was a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there was a part of me that this is a, a service. This is something I have feel very passionate about. I've grown a lot right. through that work. But the other part of me also uh, could see that I was teaching to seek validation. Mm. And that uh, I was also seeking my sense of self through my relationship. So yes. I, can, I can admit that I was codependent too. Sure. And so when that relationship fell apart, uh, my self-esteem also fell apart. Mm-hmm. And now, because I don't have that sense of self-esteem, I also felt like I wasn't worthy to teach. I couldn't be there. There's mm. so much shame. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of my coping mechanisms started to fall apart. I couldn't lean on them anymore. I couldn't yeah. use those crutches as my sense of self. And I had to find it from a more authentic whole place um but often as you probably know with any healing work you got to go a couple steps back to move uh Mm. steps forward so Mm. it felt like i took a lot of steps back in order to find my uh true self if you would entertain that term true self yeah sure of course yeah so right i think it was a turning point yeah yeah yeah, that that's a more concise way of saying it, but I think it's so kind of living from a more integrated like whole place because it was sort of functional, right? Yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's just call it yoga teacher self. I don't know what to call it, but like who you were then was functional in a particular way with the particular coping coping mechanisms you had. And then there's something interesting about like codependent relationships. And it's like yourself was contingent in a way on this relationship and in, in this, for this person, like you didn't have like your own whole independent self from which you mm-hmm. were relating. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like when that breakup happens, it's, uh, you know, it's like you're kind of left with, uh, how do I say it? I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing per se, but I think, you know, it it's almost like shining a light on the ways that you weren't whole in the first place. Right. So it's like relationship becomes so cliche, but becomes like, you know, the gift, right. Or the, the healing that you needed. Right. Like it, 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 um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Like you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, yeah. I don't want it to sound so cliche because it do, it's really a deep thing where the gift was in this, was actually in the codependency, right? Because mm-hmm. without that codependency in that relationship, uh, here's another potential, like, like uh, interesting concept, which is that I've heard, like, we all need to, we, we were all co- codependent and we all needed to be codependent, right? So like growing up as kids, like we need to be codependent. It's a healthy part of our self-development to mm-hmm. be codependent, right? Mm-hmm. And then we 
come out of it. We, you know, start to um, develop our own ability to walk essentially, right? From zero to two, we're kind of codependent. From two onwards, like we start to slowly like leave the nest of our mother's, you know, kind of warmth and nurturance and emotional regulation. And then we start to kind of go back and forth. So it's a psychological concept, but we go back and forth until we we're good on our own, right? We start to experience the outside world. We start to walk and we get overwhelmed. And then we go back to our moms and then our mom kind of soothes us. And then that process happens again and again until it's less and less, right? Um, have you heard of that? Like rapprochement is kind of the French, it's like this uh, object relations theory. Mm. So object relations, they call it rapprochement where like, I forgot what that word means, but, but essentially it's like the, the kids leaving the energetic emotional womb, right. And starts to walk and experience the world on his or her own and gets overwhelmed because he doesn't have, or he or she doesn't have the capacity to regulate their own emotions mm-hmm. yet. And, and it goes to mom, mom provides that function, but the child in a healthy parent, mother, child relationship, the mom will encourage the child to like to, to do that process, to not be codependent, to not be dependent on her. Right. And so, but also being there when the child needs, right. Not like abandoning her, but naturally she's not going to always be there and like, you know, Mm -hmm. the kid's going to have to learn, but there is like this balance. They call it the good enough mother. (laughs) It's like, there's no perfect mother, but there's like a good enough mother. She's there when the child needs, but not overbearing or coddling or totally neglectful. She's just there enough. And the child can experience overwhelm in healthy kind of amounts to where they start to develop their own self-regulation. And, and so like codependence is necessary if you did not have that growing up this process that I'm talking about done, if it didn't go in a healthy way, you're still going to carry these patterns. You're still going to carry this young boy, zero to two or two, two to four, whatever, like very early child who never got that function, who never got this emotional regulation and support and rapprochement, like separation and this healthy separation. So, um, if you know that you're going to seek that naturally and it's almost hard like that's what i mean by i think i'm bringing this up because that's what i mean by there's nothing wrong with it and it was a gift because those moments when they come it's it's like how like um, i've done years of therapy you know as like being a client working on that myself and i think i it was so hard <laughs> it's like relationship can almost fast track it you know <laughs> like you, if you're you get into a codependent relationship and then you do the work afterwards or you even in the relationship do the work of how do i you know i have i am codependent or i have these tendencies how do i develop self regulation that process in in intimate relationship when you know can can fast track a lot of it um, therapy is also a really, really great place. And I'm lucky I found therapists who literally were like holding me, you know, in times mm-hmm. when I was just feeling terror, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like their mother instincts came out and I felt so vulnerable, you know, but like, just like, I was like laying in, in one of my therapist's lap and she just 
just felt this, I could feel it from her, this like mm -hmm. attunement, this motherly kind of thing. There was no like weird sexual energy. Um, never got that presumably from my family, you know, like I can't, you know, but uh, yeah, for you, I mean, for you, it sounds like if I'm going, going to kind of put my like, uh, not that you're asking for it, but just from, from, for, from what it sounds like. And then maybe if listeners find it helpful at all, but like, you know, it's like, I'm imagining you never got that being coming, growing up Asian, you got more of the like, why are you doing this? And, you know, like treating kids, like they're not really like these loving, lovable, like human beings, you know, there's kind of objects. And so attunement, like healthy separation, regulation, individuation, be yourself. Like that just didn't exist in a lot of Asian cultures. And so uh, like being in that relationship and then separating might've just been like kind of a re-traumatization, but also kind of, it also a instigation or catalyst for like mm -hmm. that old, old trauma of not having a healthy separation and healthy kind of support in individuating or regulating to happen so where you could be your whole self like you can start to be your true self and uh you kind of navigated that for a few years and now you're kind of coming back to your coming to a place where you're able to regulate and you know, have tools to regulate yourself um yeah interesting thanks for letting me say all that because i just it's 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 nice to like share some of these things these thoughts that i have mm -hmm. perspectives and i'm curious if it resonated if it didn't or like you know where your mind goes mm. yeah it's very nice to hear your story there's mm. a lot of resonance for me and relatability mm. and uh you know obviously one of the reasons why i chose to come on this podcast with you is i think we have that that kinship there mm. yeah i would say a very similar in my upbringing is that uh was never really asked the question, what do you want, Leo? Mm. What are you feeling right now? And so I never had to ask myself those internal questions yeah. to develop that healthy sense of self. And uh, so I think what felt most safe for me is don't think about what you want. Think about what the people outside of me want. And if I can meet their needs, then I'm going to be safe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so when I entered into my first uh, intimate relationship, one that I would consider the most impactful and long-term, um, that was my mode of relating. It's, okay, how can I please her? How can I self-sacrifice mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. she won't abandon me and I will feel essentially safe? And that's all I knew because I just wasn't given very much tools to know how to relate from a place of this is me and this is you and we can be separate selves and right. have a relationship together so i developed relationally pretty uh as a relational being pretty pretty late i didn't mm. start dating until i was like 20 21 and even then there were just very short-term relationships so when that relationship happened it was a really profound experience of feeling um feeling affection, love, intimacy, mm. infatuation, but then also losing it was like falling from this ivory tower mm -hmm. and very, very painful. And as you said, it was like bursting of my mm. bubble, the illusion that I had around what relationships were all about. Mm. 
Um, but at the same time, as you also have said, it's the thing that led me more and more towards my authentic true self. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get that journey and um, very grateful as well. Yeah, there's no, there's no better time than now to do this work. Totally. Yeah. I, um, wow. Yeah. I, I just love the way, I mean, I love the way that you, you phrase things. Um, so where, I mean, maybe we could talk a little bit about the Asian, like dating, like I could relate to, to, you know, kind of coming to things late. It was weird for me. It was more like, <clears throat> For some reason, I was always very, uh, I could attract women very easily. Mm. I could have sex really, like sex, I don't, it just naturally, I just meet people and it's like, boom, like we just can, I can develop that attraction and chemistry really easily. Um, I think there was some boundary issues there for me too, of like, okay, like I'm, I'm so open, you know, like, and as the man, I'm like, I should just have sex with any attractive girl or woman right and so i was just like i would just do it because i felt the attraction but like i've learned a little now to to kind of reel it back and be like okay i'm like who do i want to let into my my world or my heart or all that but um so i i, did, I had like you know a couple long-term relationships but um yeah nothing like like you're saying i opened up late you know like the the real sense of intimacy and being seen and known for me happened later because I didn't know how to do it. And it actually happened when I, so I like dated most, like only Asian girls when I was growing up because I only hung out with Asian people. I only mm -hmm. hung out with Korean and, and other Asian people. And uh, even though my high school had like kind of mixed uh, races, ethnicities, and then 18, 19, I kind of had this switch where I like really got into psychology and philosophy and psychology, uh, spirituality. And it was like, there were no Asian people there. So I just like started to really find fulfillment, I guess, in connection with that type of uh, like subculture and, uh, and then just dated white women. Right. And, and it was, it wasn't until like, there's something interesting. Like I felt seen and heard and held in ways from Asia, uh, like white women that I probably couldn't have with Asian women. But then it was like, I, started to date Asian women again. And then <laughs> like it triggered something in my nervous system. Mm. Like that was different. Mm. So where my attachment stuff came up a lot more. Mm. It was weird and uh, makes sense to me. But uh, then it, then it was a little more primal and triggering, but I also learned to open up to more intimacy and, and, and being seen. And it's very, um, and the, so my recent relationship was like that. And that, really was like this shift like this uh like more of an integration i guess from like kind of the old attachment kind of asian stuff and then like kind of this more uh, i guess you could say spiritual like western side of me but um yeah i guess i'm curious um if you i don't i don't know if there's any like where does your mind go anything with that 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 resonates or uh, questions or thoughts in your life about yeah. that? Yeah, there's relatability to my first dating experiences were primarily with Asian women as well. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time I was trying to discover what my 
Asian identity was. Growing up, I went to a Catholic school, K-12, and wow. I would say primarily uh, Caucasian. Yeah. I had, I had certainly some Asian friends, but uh, I think the socialization in me was that uh, Caucasian women are 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 the ones that I feel most attracted to because of mm. because of media and all all sorts of other things. But going sure. to university, the university I went to, there were a lot of Asian people, <laughs> and I was studying uh, Asian Canadian studies. I did a minor in that, and so learning about my own culture of of uh, men and women who are not from Asia but are of Asian descent living mm-hmm. in North America. And that mm-hmm. was really, really fascinating. And so learning about myself, I started to open up to dating Asian women as well. In a very similar way, as I started to grow in my own personal development, my healing, spirituality, when I go to those types of workshops, there are very few Asian people. All right. And... Uh, and so the things I became interested in, very few Asian people were also interested in it. So I naturally gravitated towards dating more uh, Caucasian women. Mm-hmm. And um, where am I going with all of this? <laughs> I guess my difference with between you and I is uh, dating and, and sex were very challenging for me in my 20s. It was, right. didn't come very easily. I was very repressed. And had a difficult time um, being able to own my sexuality, feel comfortable in my body, feel okay with uh, receiving touch, giving touch, Mm -hmm. um, asking for what I need, Mm. all those sorts of things. And Mm -hmm. it's not until most recently do I feel this sense of confidence in in who I am and uh, being able to be held, being able to touch other people in a uh, way where I, I don't have fear come up in my body. Mm. You know, I'm not talking even sexually, just like even hugging yeah. can be fearful. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. lift your shoulders up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But now, now I feel that uh, I'm much more comfortable in my body because I'm also much more in tune with my emotions. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. repressing or pushing them away as much as I used to. Yeah, no, I could relate to that too. I, I mean, and, and you know, growing up Asian, it's like, I, I don't know if this was, is, is it for you? But like, I... Uh, definitely, you know, was hit, you know, uh, corporeal types of punishments and being spanked. And, and um, you know, I think being a sent, like, I, I think about this a lot because, like, like, was I sensitive? So it really impacted me, you know, because a lot of people are hit and they're not like as sensitive as me around touch like mm-hmm. it, for me it could have also just been like my family is very like touchy feely like they just they're very and and it's a little too much like for me it's like mm. it wasn't something i felt comfortable with or i didn't even know that i was uncomfortable with um so yeah that's my version of that like cuz i i could relate to like what is safe touch and 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 how can i feel safe being touched and or or touching and um, I mean, obviously, yeah, I've had a lot of sex and, you know, dated and things like that. And, but like, I think there's something different about like feeling that maybe connection to myself 
and feeling safe in the relationship, right? And and maybe there's attunement involved, like because I feel like there's a difference for me between like attuned someone who's attuned to me, and and the touch comes from that place, right? Um, it's more regulating or co-regulating than it would be dysregulating or triggering. And mm-hmm. so, um, but yeah, I do wonder about the connection between maybe the the, the abuse or uh, the punishment types of stuff and yeah, what my nervous system might feel like. Is is that connected to maybe what you feel? Because when you kind of put, put your shoulders up, I'm like, yeah, that's a very defensive kind of response. And you seem mm-hmm. like... A, someone who might have been more sensitive growing up and you know i i can imagine asian imagine asian parents being you know the way they are you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that that's certainly a possibility i also grew up with physical abuse and it was very normalized right and uh i also think that i had to experience a lot of not had to but i did experience a lot of stress around um schooling and achievement and achievement like i did all kinds of tutoring math tutoring english tutoring sports swimming Mm -hmm. um skipping grades to like you know take it to the next next level and so um i always had to hold the stress in my body of what's the next thing i need to do what's the next thing i need to do so there's no sense of relaxation and, and and being in my body and so it's all about functioning from this place Mm -hmm. and i think that um i carried all of that stress into my adulthood too in my Mm -hmm. mind right so uh, yeah over time it's i've learned to slowly release that to feel comfortable being in my body feel comfortable relating with other people in my body and uh not feeling like it would be unsafe i guess perhaps being in my body means slowing down and relaxing Mm -hmm. and slowing down and relaxing didn't feel safe growing up because that means Mm -hmm. i'm not achieving and i'm not progressing i see right man i I bet that's so relatable to so many people (laughs) i mean that's like our that's like just cult like the world in general i feel like yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like for you, it, it, it really is about how to feel safe in your body, like how to feel mm-hmm. safe in the present, how to feel safe with yourself, meaning like here now body and, and not kind of like letting yourself be run by that older pattern of the mind, achievement, external, like, like, you know, like something there that, it, you know, you couldn't relax right? You couldn't just be and be safe. And so, yeah, it's like coming into your body, coming into more of like this sense of being and feeling probably mm-hmm. is like super healing and, and powerful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I had uh, several partners in, my, in the early days of my dating and relating uh, tell me that they feel like I'm not really there. Oh, wow. Like I'm present in the room as I'm physically present, but I'm not right. really there. I'm sort yeah. of And mm. it always confused me because I'm like, I'm here. What are you talking about? Like I'm right in front of you. We're looking at each other. Mm-hmm. But what they couldn't feel was my embodiment and being in my body. I was always thinking about 
the next thing I needed to do in my head. Yeah. So I imagine that a lot of the breakdown that was happening there was that they didn't really feel seen, didn't really feel that they could connect to me. Connection, yeah. And uh, imagining they also felt some sense of, a, of emotional abandonment from mm -hmm. me without mm. me even knowing that I was doing that. Mm. And I think that mirrors back to my own experience growing up of not feeling seen, uh, not being able to connect, yeah. and then therefore not really knowing how to do that with other people. Yeah, probably getting love, attention, you know, whatever you want to call it, however you want to define love, but getting it when you were excelling, right? Probably, because that's what they probably told you you were supposed to do, <clears throat> right? That was like, is that true? My experience with uh, getting, let's say, the good grade isn't uh -huh. even so much that they gave me praise. Hmm was like to avoid any right form of punishment yeah that's so, why i said like however you define love because yeah, yeah there's no praise <laughs> there's no like acknowledgement or appreciate yeah. you know like good job right and a lot right. of so so it was but but it was kind of the this is what i'm supposed to do mm -hmm. and this is the right thing to do mm -hmm. survival mechanism really yeah 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 wow and so in relationship or as an identity, it just kind of still is there, especially to get love. Also combined with this thing that you talked about earlier about I need to be self-sacrificing, I need to do for others. It's like that, you know, like you're not centered in yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not like aware of your own needs, aware of your own body. You know, like you're just, it's so like externally focused everything. And yeah, it's it's ironic because you it, like that mechanism is telling you this is oh this is like how to be good this is how to love this is isn't this what they want and then you're getting feedback like you're like i'm actually needing something else like i'm actually mm -hmm. like where are you like i want connection mm -hmm. and you're like wait what like no this is the right thing <laughs> this is like i'm doing that <laughs> yeah 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 only looking back now do i understand what they actually meant by that wow and and for the most part, I thought I was doing everything I needed to do. Why Why is this not working? I'm giving yeah. you so much right. uh, in terms of my time and energy. Is this not enough? Yeah. And it's that same limiting belief that I had probably developed growing up. as like, I'm working so hard. Why am mm. I still not getting what I think I should be getting, which is right. uh, some validation, praise, affection, love. <laughs> yeah yeah totally man i mean when you say that i just feel it because <clears throat> yeah that growing up is also was you know i think asian parents in general but like just not receiving love like like my definition of love has become that like not just validation but like being seen being accepted hurt, being heard like just being a separate being, <laughs> you know, and like, uh, like as a unique individual and yeah. So yeah. Validation, acknowledgement. Yeah. It's like, I love that you are able to speak to it, you know, and, um, you know, I'm curious how you, how, like, how is dating for you now? Like, cause that was, 
a number of years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, how do you approach dating given all that? Or how do you approach dating now? Maybe being as an entrepreneur, like there's a couple of questions there, but uh, I don't know if that plays into it at all. It does for me, but yeah. Like, are you dating? Do you, are you open to talking about any of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm open to talking about it. I am. I'm in a relationship right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and curious to hear like what what are your curiosities? Yeah. Um like what is your um like how do you apply maybe some of these things that we've been talking about or you know in relationship are you um open and vulnerable because I imagine you are because it just seems like that's your the type of person you are. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, what is it like now, I suppose? Maybe that's a good question. What is it like now compared to where things were before you went through your healing and recovery? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm celebrating six months of my relationship with this person. And I think what I'm doing differently now is I made the conscious choice to date very slowly mm-hmm. in the beginning as a way of helping me uh no longer be as codependent as I used to be. So that I still maintain a sense of self, uh, maintain my friendships, maintain a lot of my own personal hobbies and not lose myself mm-hmm. too quickly in the beginning when I was dating this person. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of conscious effort to also ask uh, a lot of questions to see if this is the kind of person that I do want to be in relationship with because uh I had a lot better sense of what I wanted. I wanted a conscious relationship, meaning I wanted to use our relationship as a vehicle for our, our healing. Mm. And uh, not everybody wants that. Not everybody knows about that. And that's okay. It's just, I know that I wanted that. Mm. So uh, instead of just diving into the relationship in order to feel good and just have all of those lovey-dovey feelings which were still present I just wanted to make sure that I was still taking care of myself Mm. and so it did require me to share a lot more vulnerably some of the fears I have some of the desires and needs I have and even now I feel very safe with her I feel Mm. that I can be myself with her and it's the best relationship I've ever had and I still have trust issues and trusting that uh, if I open up and be vulnerable, that I won't be rejected, mm. that she'll stay there with me, uh, that she won't shame me for feeling these feelings. Mm. So it's still an ongoing journey of feeling like if I open up, you're not going anywhere. Um, and and yeah. because I'm also... Um, applying myself in this way in this relationship it's also been very healing too because right. she hasn't she hasn't wavered mm-hmm. I mean there's there's moments of conflict for sure mm-hmm. but uh, on the whole um, I feel that I've been able to reverse a lot of my patterns and ways of relating in this relationship mm, powerful mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly what I like, I guess, suspected. But um, so like you created, like I've been kind of playing with this concept of like, especially if you come from a codependent background or upbringing, especially if you have trauma in your background, 
you know, people pleasing, that type of thing. Actually, the route is to speak and say what you need, not necessarily as a way to, you know, say, hey, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave or, you know, like, or like putting it on them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not their responsibility, but just like owning it yourself. Like it creates, it strengthens you, it creates a buffer, like it creates the sense of safety, like you are now like creating that. Like, that's kind of what I hear. It's like the Mm -hmm. trust gets bigger, the safety gets stronger as you open up and share what you need and recognize that it's not the end of the world. And not only that, like she's still there and Mm -hmm. present and loving and accepting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that's different is that I've come to more and more acceptance of the challenges that I, that I carry into relationships. And so, for example, I, I told her, Hey, I have codependent tendencies. I will often try to um, help you uh, do things for you, be of service to you, and feel like I don't have any needs. So I have a really difficult time telling you, hey, I need this. Can you help me? Can you support me? Yeah. And and I asked for mm-hmm. her help in pointing that out if I do too Ooh. much of that. Yeah. And uh, I think because I was able to be more accepting of myself around these things, right. I was able to be also more accepting of her personal struggles as well. Right. So when she brings something to me, instead of trying to fix or change her as I used to do, give her advice, those sorts of things, I would be able to listen to her and mm-hmm. empathize with her. And I think that's what created a lot of safety is for each of us to show up fully as we are Mm. and feel that on our own, we can work on our personal healing, Mm -hmm. but not feel like we're not good enough or shame for being that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Almost creating a, like a culture within the relationship where you can be open and honest and vulnerable and, when you, I experienced this in my last relationship. So that ended like six months ago, Mm. but it's like me opening up created the sense of safety for her Mm -hmm. to open up as well. And it like was really, I I, like I never, I guess put that together and I'm not sure if it's like, um, to like one of the concepts that I think of, with that is like as a man like regardless regardless of how the energies are the polarities the roles whatever male female masculine feminine i do wonder like because you know about the archetypes i'm sure because you do men's work for masculine archetypes and so like the king archetype one of the things that i've learned about that is like the king is not just this leader or authority like the king the nature of the masculine king archetype is that your energy basically kind of dictates your reality right and and so imagine like a ceo of a company the ceo's energy the ceo's integrity like will will naturally translate into the company and so you see that you walk into a company you could just feel like this is a good company it's a good culture the vibe or like the the success or whatever but it's like the people in charge is the CEO, the founder, like their energy 
somehow subconsciously it infuses or effuses into the environment and especially relationally. And I do think that happens in relationship, right? So like as a man, how you show up, how you um, hold your own heart, how you, you know, hold yourself, you know, really like, I don't want to say the woman follows the lead, but there is something naturally that occurs, I think, you know, this is my theory mm-hmm. that that occurs when you're um, like the male or the man in the relationship and the woman's, you know, like a man who is not in his integrity or his heart is like, not like, like, you know, the woman will also kind of go with that energy and maybe be abusive or be like, you know, uh, uh, rejecting and, and cheating on him or right. Like, so there's, there's like this way that your energy can 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 create that vibe, that culture in a relationship, kind of lead it a little a little mm-hmm. bit. You know that word's very charged, but it's it's uh, it sounds like that for you. I don't know. I'm really thinking about myself because the my past relationship made me really understand that, like how mm-hmm. I show up in this relationship. Because I would always fear being vulnerable. I would always fear my needs. Yeah, I would always fear like just being, and 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 it actually created a space, you know, and permission for her that uh, was a very healthy thing for both of us. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I, I took that away from that relationship and um, sounds like that might be also like happening for you. Yeah, I don't, I haven't thought of it in that way and it yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And I think that... Uh, it's very reciprocal too. whoever yeah. is the initiator, whether it's me or her, someone initiates by leading through example. Uh-huh. And then I follow or she follows and we go back and right. forth and we pass the ball back and forth as well. <clears throat> That's good. And so, so co- co-created, yeah, co-created. And at the same time, the only thing I have control of is how do I want to uh, show up as an example? For yourself. And so I'm always trying to lead from that place, but also learn and be inspired by her and mm. her way of being yeah. because she's teaching me things that I don't have an ability to lead with, which is her playfulness, her mm. uh, spontaneity, her creativity, her um, silliness and playfulness. Yeah. 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 I'm really surrendering to her lead in that regard. <laughs> And, uh, and, and gratefully learning from her in that way. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that actually. Cause yeah, my, on like when I was talking about the male or masculine, the lead, it's like, there's a part of me that's like, mm, there's something else. And it is this co-created thing. It is this, um, co-leading or, you know, like you just have different parts, right? We have different mm-hmm. parts and we are different people and, 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 you know, where, how do those kind of fit into each other? And, um, yeah, where are you learning from your partner? Yeah. My, my last relationship was, was with, um, like, uh, someone who wasn't into spiritual work or healing work, no therapy. So I was kind of like this model for her. Mm -hmm. And so makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of how I saw it. And, it sounds like for you and I think for me too, my next relationship, I really want it to be co-created in a, in a way that's like, 
yeah, we're learning, like I can learn things from her and I can also, you know, lead in ways just being myself, like being who I am and her being who she is just naturally creates this, uh, synergy. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. well, so I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm happy that that came along and that, uh, you're, yeah, it's, uh, it's really fun, powerful to hear, um, that in this relationship, you're also showing up very authentically and vulnerably. And I think that's an important message for a lot of men to hear, you know, Mm -hmm. it's also refreshing for me to hear. And, um, and yeah, thanks for just coming on too. Cause you know, it sounds like I appreciate, I, I, I had heard one of your, I guess, clips, a clip from a podcast you had done because you posted mm-hmm. it on your, on your Instagram. And I was like, wow, he's just a very like open, like personal guy. And, and, uh, from a business perspective too, that's interesting as a man who's doing inner work and healing work for other men, I was like, oh, wow, I love how he shows up. So, so thank you for coming on and, and also just showing up the way you, you do. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, like kind of refreshing for me and and also I, I'm sure for 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 other men listening. <clears throat> Thank you for having me on here. It's been very nice to express myself, to feel my body well, being in connection mm-hmm. to you and to get to know you because I honestly don't know very much about you. And right. <laughs> I feel a lot closer and and have mm-hmm. a sense of you know a depth with you. Yeah, camaraderie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think um yeah, it's interesting because I think the body, this thought came up to me before, but yeah, the body, the ta- like I did a lot of, the sex stuff was a lot of Tantra and like just energetic, like body stuff. And so like, that's mm-hmm. maybe one area where I've really focused on, but um, yeah, anything you want to say as, as we end, like, I know you have, you know, we didn't really like talk a lot about your program or what mm-hmm. you do, but I know you do group coaching and so maybe, you know, it's, you can share things, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to just, you know, tell people to like, check you out and, and, and yeah. see what you do, but yeah. So, what, what do you have going on? And yeah. Well, uh, if anyone's interested in my journey and breakup recovery, uh, please go to my Instagram page, uh, at breakup recovery, Leo. And that's where you'll get to get a snippet of, of my life and an understanding of the work that I do. Yeah, and uh, I'm also launching a podcast, so I'm oh, cool. I'm really stoked for that and being able to interview people who are going through breakups and hearing their story, mm. just the same way I've got to hear your story. I think that's where a connection happens. That's where the sense of I'm not alone happens. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's then uh, an opportunity to validate. Oh, it's okay for me to feel this feeling. Totally, so that's my that's my aim. And very stoked for that. Hmm. And um, I do I do one-on-one coaching, and I also have a group program. So that's where I bring community together. Hmm. And it's a monthly membership. It's thirty nine dollars, and I think it's a a great way to to go through the healing recovery journey of breakups, but do it with other people. Do it hmm. with a roadmap. Do it with my um, coaching and and support. So yeah. Yeah, those are my current current things I'm putting out into the world. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important to have community, I think, during breakup or, you know, developing tools, self-awareness to not feel alone. Like it's, oh gosh. Yeah, I think the podcast is probably going to do great, man. That's a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'll, uh, I mean, I think it's breakup recovery. Breakup recovery, Leo, is your Instagram. Uh, I'll put it in the description. 
Um, but other than that, yeah, thanks everyone for for listening and thanks again, Leo, for for coming on. And I hope that was uh yeah, it was a really organic conversation. I appreciated that and I hope it's it's uh useful and um enlightening for our for listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Bye everyone.